going on, everybody? Hollywood Coles back again for another Smooth Ramblings here with Nick Thimianos becoming a regular guest on the Smooth Ramblings show. Yeah. What's going on, Nick? Not much, my friend. It's <laughs> great to be back. I'm always excited when you invite me back. Oh, man. I love having you here. And um, uh, we hadn't done a Smooth Ramblings in a long time. And uh, I said, you know, I need to hit Nick, Nick up and. Uh, see what uh see what he's up to yeah i think and, the last one we did was dead cells together oh yeah yeah that was awesome <laughs> that man. was a great one but yeah no man i'm uh, i've been pretty busy anyway on my end so it was actually very fortuitous and actually excellent timing that we can get to uh, get together and do something new outstanding outstanding so uh exciting uh topic here that we're going to talk about here in a little bit it's not even a video game it's uh star wars Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about it's going to be the Mandalorian is the, the the main topic, but I'm sure we're going to definitely dive into some Star Wars lore, maybe or some just ideas. So before we start, though, let's. Um, have you played any of the Cyberpunk yet? Have you heard about it? Are you? One of my good friends actually gifted me for Christmas, and I loaded it about an hour ago. I played. Mm. I just played the quick intro, the car scene. In the beginning, and and then uh, we're like so I'm you about nomad. to do, yeah no I picked uh, uh street rat the, okay the street cred one yeah so I yeah, picked uh, yeah. that one so I did the the interaction I'm in the car right now with um, I, I'm guessing it's, uh, yeah okay cool so yeah they're they're about to do a, a VR thing so I was like okay so then I just stopped right there and did you do uh, you got on the PC. Yeah, I got on Steam. Okay, good. Yeah, you got a, you got the good good copy there. It's like a PC game that got ported over to PlayStation Four, essentially poorly, um, even though it was advertised for PlayStation Four. We, I actually just released our Cyberpunk episode like about five o'clock today oh, that nice. we just recorded. Um, but uh, so we kind of get into that a little bit. But I got it on PlayStation Four, and um, it, it runs a little rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to kind of take your time. You know, once you get to a a quest or to a uh, building or location that the quest is going to go down and kind of give it, you know, 10 seconds to load up and then you're, you're good to go. Okay. It's not actually a loading screen, but anyway, um, but man, it's, it, it is, I'm loving the world in there. It is just straight up cyberpunk, dude. It is straight up uh shadow I've been, run. I've been needing a, a good shadow run and deus ex fix. Uh, I loved mankind divided, but the way it ended abruptly, like, kind of left me a bad taste in my mouth. I'm hoping they continue it. Yeah. So, because they kind of did it dirty with Human Revolution, and then they got my hopes up with Mankind Divided, which was a solid game. And then they kind of did the same thing, and I'm like, ah. But <laughs> I am very excited for Cyberpunk. I've been, I've, I've heard all the bad press. I've been very hesitant. Um, I mean, I was always going to get it for the computer regardless, but it was like, you know, I mean, people tend to forget that games that big they're right. they're not going to be anywhere near perfect they'll be solid but i mean everyone's played fallout everyone's played new vegas everybody new vegas is coveted by fallout fans but that thing was virtually unplayable like the like for a good couple weeks like it crashed all the time it locked up i had it for the xbox and i had it for the computer oh, really? and i still had the same issues so i mean you got for games that big, no matter what, I don't care how credible the designers are or, or the game companies, it's, 
it's going to break. And then you're increasing those chances by the number of people that are actually playing it. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, well, that's, you know, it's crashed three times on me, two or three times on my PS4. It's crashed on PS5. So I st- still now I've heard people say it crashes every couple hours, at least on YouTube or on uh, Facebook. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's true, man. And I mean, I still like CD Projekt Red. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of went public. Uh, we talked about, not kind of, they went public in 2018, which came out in 2015. And so, and of course, this came out in 2020. So, uh, did that impact at all? They, I think they took on a publisher, so then now they're getting rushed um, potentially. So, I mean, it's all kind of things, you know, but like you said, even if they were on their own, I mean, I guess if they were on their own, uh, then they could have just waited and waited and waited until it's perfect, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not, like you said, it's not going to be perfect, but I think that would have helped it at least a little bit without oh, yeah. being forced to get out the door. But To be fair, though, man, if, if you know, they've all been teleworking during this entire pandemic. You know, it's I give it time. I that yeah. that I mean, I think people are are are, are uh, crapping on it a little too harshly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they got their hopes up, but I mean, it's like it. it you know, it, I, I guess that's like our any big game like fallout 76 was extremely disappointing two years later it's actually really solid now i'm not expecting cyberpunk in two years but you know i guarantee i guarantee in the next six months they'll they'll no they'll get it right i mean like the first witcher game that came out that was a mess then they did the enhanced edition they added a ton of stuff to fix it and the game is still kind of wonky if you play it by now standards second witcher had another enhanced edition for itself as well Witcher 3 did not, but it was a solid game, but it was still buggy initially, too. I mean... Yeah. And it's, you know, the third of a series that they've kind of learned, I would think, you know, other than improved graphics and probably some combat. Mm-hmm. And I and I remember, I, I have I've never played the first one. I played two on 360, mm-hmm. Enhanced Edition, so I don't ever remember it, it being a problem. Of course, like you said, back then, you know, I don't know, we don't know, as we didn't realize as much, I guess, but... Um, but I'm enjoying it, man. I really am enjoying Cyberpunk. It's not uh, it's not unplayable by any means. And, you know, there's people on Twitter too that I just saw today that they are they're all getting refunds, right? People are just getting refunds. People bought the digital copy, you're getting I refunds, and they're and they're offering refunds. Um, and that, I think that, that last I've heard, maybe a couple of days ago, Sony and Microsoft both took it off their store. And I guess they were tired of dealing with the refunds. But what I saw on Twitter was that. Literally, this guy, and I mean, this, this is like, I guess it's unique to this guy. I mean, I think there's a few people there saying, you know, hey, I got the refund, but they also took the game away from me. <laughs> I you know? saw that. And it's like, dude. <laughs> you returned the game. You don't earn yeah. the right just because, no, get out of yeah. here. Yeah. So I don't know if this guy's, you know, who this guy is it's, or if this is some kind of representation of, you know, 10% of all the people that bought the game or if it's just a random wallflower that, you know, is out there, which is probably the most likely case. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, hoping, I'm hoping it's just a rare case because that's, that's super selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it is, I don't know why, but it seems like every time a game, like you said, a game is released, it's usually broken, especially something that big or even from uh, some different developers that, you know, especially the game that's required to be online the entire time. It never connects the first day, you know, and this whole thing. 
and yet you still go out there and buy the next game day one, <laughs> you know? So well, I don't know. It, wow. When it first came out back in 04, I mean, they did the, they did a closed beta. They did an open beta. They were fixing tons of stuff all the way up and then release day. Cause it had such an influx of people. They did not expect to buy it. Like the servers were so laggy, like your characters for like months would not load with any of their armor. So they're always in their underwear, like on the, <laughs> wow. on, the, on the character screen, not in the game, but on the character select screen, yeah. and, you know, like it's just, it, there's going to be growing pains. Like it doesn't matter the pedigree, you know, unless it's like an existing, you know, infrastructure, like even wow with all their other expansions, you know, there's still like apparently Shadowlands has a ton of bugs. I haven't yeah. really got into that, but yeah, it's just bugs are bugs. It's, it's going to take time. It, it does stink that a lot of the players are like expecting the super polished game. And I've heard that cyberpunk feels more like a beta again. It's just, I, I think with games that massive, like, you know, we'll see what happens with, with GTA six when that eventually comes out, you know, that's going to be the next yeah. gauge and people might lose their minds. I don't remember five being very bad though. You know, not that you mentioned it online, I, online, you didn't do a lot of online till later. In yeah, fact, the, the beta, you remember you're in a beta for like five years and on, online, I think you're still in the beta online on GTA five. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> GTA, the single player was solid. And then, yeah, when yeah. they opened online initially, when it was on the 360 gen, it was, yeah, it was rough. Like you could, I was lucky. I was the only one that managed to log in when it was released that day. And everyone at Tiddle was like, how? And then it was <laughs> yeah. like a handful of us that managed to play. And none of us got back on for weeks after that day. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, that was a. Uh... I think it said in beta forever, but if you call it a beta, I guess it's, you know, and I, I think me people are mostly upset with uh, CD Projekt Red and the fact that it was marketed so heavily toward current gen systems mm-hmm. instead of just saying, hey, this is a, you know, I don't, I don't know how you say this is a next gen system game, but we want to port it over to the PS4 or something like that. I don't know. You know what? I'll give, I'll give that to everybody. If, if, if it was because they were, I, I avoided a lot of the hype in the market for cyberpunk. So that I'm looking at it purely on a gameplay aesthetic, but if everyone's upset about being given false promises and yeah, no, they, they deserve to be upset for that. Yeah. If it says PS4 on the box and it should pay on, play on a PS4, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what else? Have you been playing any other games? Are you a straight PC gamer now, or are you doing console at all? Or um, I play my Switch. I bought uh, Hyrule, uh, Hyrule Warriors, the, the Age, Age of Calamity. Calamity. Okay. So I'm not I'm not that far in the campaign, but it's really enjoyable. Uh, I like just running around as Link, honestly, like with all his move set, and then when I'm forced to play the other companions, I do for a little bit. It's fun though, mindless, and it's fun. Yeah. Did you do the Hyrule Warriors, the first one? No, the first one. I've, I didn't like the gimmick, but the reason I got this one is because I loved Breath of the Wild. And then yeah. I was like, oh, it's a prequel. It's going to lead everything up. So, so that's why I got it. That was my selling point because it's ad- adding more to that story. And I'm looking forward yeah. to Breath of the Wild 2 for it. Um, actually, and then because we're going to be talking about Mandalorian, I've been playing Star Wars The Old Republic MMO 
for the past uh, couple of weeks. So I, I, I've never played as a, a bounty hunter. I'm like, ah, whatever, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to be a fangirl and just play it anyway. And you know, the bounty hunter story is not that strong, but I mean, I'm enjoying it because I'm playing a different play style. Normally I'm a Jedi or I played the smuggler for a little bit, but I'm always, you know, a force user. And I'm like, I enjoy that because that's star Wars. Right. So, so playing a completely different class, like it, uh, has changed the gameplay enough for me that I'm, uh, enjoying it as something new and i'm also playing a brand new story for myself that i've never experienced so i'm really liking it um but beyond that that's all i've been playing i was playing wow for a little bit but i decided i'm gonna wait until there's like another um uh, another con- content patch for it so i'm actually the retail happy. version yeah, retail, yeah. not yeah, yeah I play okay. Retail, the Shadowlands. I'm uh, i'm just waiting until the next uh, major patch for Shadowlands comes out and then um I've been, you know, just playing Star Wars, and now that I got Cyberpunk, I'm sure my attention is going to be on that for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, Cyberpunk's. Uh, I was playing Fable Three and kind of getting Ooh. back in the 360, and I was playing Black Cold War, uh, the Black Ops Cold War, which is fun. Nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, Cyberpunk shows up, and then I'm just playing just that. Really, I mean, I've played it like every night since it came out. Nice, but uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I try to get back into WoW a little bit on Classic, and I, but it's, I don't know, man. I try, I, I, I a lot of nostalgia, I think, and then when I get on there and start doing, it, I'm kind of like, ah, okay, I'm ready to turn it off again. You know, after yeah. a few minutes, but that happens to me with a lot of games lately. Um, I was actually very surprised that I got on Star Wars as long as I did, because there have been a couple times since Shadow of Revan that I try to get on. I'll like take three steps and then I'll get right off. But because I'm playing a completely different thing, it seems to keep me gripped enough. So, I mean, it's, it's done its time. And then, um, I try to load up other games. Like I, I got the kingdoms of Mammalor, uh, the re reckoning, the remaster. Oh and yeah. I just, I've been, I've for years, I've been wanting to get into that game and I still cannot, Oh, really? Me. Yeah. Just because of time or when you're playing it, you just like can't, it didn't ever hook you in. It doesn't hook me in, but it's got, it's got all the right things, all the, the right things checked off of what I like in a, in an old school style action RPG. Open world and everything. It's, it, it's got a, yeah, semi open world. It's got that. You got your stats. You could be whatever you want all at once. It be, it's basically the American version of Fable. That's the way it should have been marketed, basically. It is the yeah. American version of Fable. But it, the world feels, so there's so much rich lore and dialogue and characters, but the world feels dead. Huh. It, um, you know, it, it, it feels like how, ocarina of time feels like i mean you'll say okay that's a classic how could i compare the two you know um i never got into ocarina of time because i never had a 64 so when i played it the game felt empty even though the 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 game was great it felt empty so then that's like how i drew the comparisons like there was no there was no life everything felt static I think that's what it was. Everything felt static. Everything was going to be right there. Everything was placed. So I guess I got spoiled with other games where, you know, an MMO, you kind of expect it to happen. You know, if you're out in the wilderness, you're going to get attacked by an animal. Everything else just feels like it's just there. You know, hmm. it's not going to, it's not going to change. Um, so I don't know. Maybe if I, I had to give it another shot. Yeah, that's strange. They uh, actually was just mentioned this, that exact game. 
because I was saying I get back to 360 and you look at like something like uh, YouTube or, you know, top 10, you know, Xbox 360 hidden gems and that'll show up there. You it's know, a, a solid good game. It's and like another, 10 bucks and I want to yeah. buy it. But And they also are doing new DLC because THQ Nordic, and that's another reason why I got it too, is because I want to support these guys. Like they acquired all of THQ assets and they're trying to bring back stuff. Like I really want them to succeed. I think they have a... Um, it, they they saved some really solid games that almost just went were almost shelved completely. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that um, they could do well. Yeah. Um. Speaking of uh, the Ocarina of Time, dude, uh, this that was my. I mean, I'm gonna get blasted here, I'm sure, but that was my uh, like undoing of Zelda. Really? really. Yeah. So I was a big you know like Zelda. I didn't ever, didn't like Part Two that much. Didn't really play it. Link to the Past was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Then I got Link's Awakening, loved it. And then I got Ocarina. I couldn't wait for Ocarina of Time, dude. I mean, I was like cutting grass as much as I could. Like to get, get the money mm-hmm. for it, you know, waiting for the day. And I remember just got getting it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And it started it up and it was. It was great. And I was loving playing it and all this. And the world was alive, all this kind of stuff. And then I remember going into a dungeon and it was probably like, the sixth dungeon, or it's probably the one I'm, I'm guessing this part after the ice palace where you had to keep putting the boots on and off mm-hmm. uh, and the menus and stuff. That was a really real pain because I enjoyed exploring the world and doing all that. But then I had to go to a dungeon and I remember going into a dungeon and then going, oh, dang, I got to do this dungeon <laughs> like that kind of in my market. I thought, wait a minute. That's what Zelda is, dude, you know, dungeons and doing this. Why are you not wanting to do this? Dun- you know, I didn't want to do the dungeon, dude. I mean, you know, and it's just like, Wow. And so, I mean, I finished it. I played it all the way through and I, I still own the game and I tried to crank it back up. You know, of course, it's the, it looks a little blurry, the visuals. And then once, uh, if Hypergen ever releases their N64 uh, clone for HD, then I'll play it again. But uh, I, I don't know what, what it was or when, but it kind of just killed it for me. And then I didn't play Majora's Mask, and then I got Wind Waker on GameCube and I played it for Waker. a little while. Yeah, that one kind of started bringing it back, and I got back on Wind Waker. Actually, I just got my Wii U fixed again, and yeah. I actually have uh, yeah, I just got it fixed again, and um, yeah, because it came out on GameCube, so I got the Wii U version. Mm-hmm. I played the GameCube version, but uh, and really enjoyed that one, man. And I got really far into it. Then my my son like kind of took over my Wii U, and so he I don't know he got in there and started messing with it. So I don't know, I have no idea what my where my save state is and all. <laughs> but uh, probably no all my money spent and all the but uh, but anyway uh, I enjoyed that one, and then uh, what's what the next one would be Twilight Princess on the Wii. Yeah, I had and that. I, yeah, I got that game when it you know for, with the Wii, and I, I just couldn't do motion controls. And I remember thinking every time I was the wolf, and I got to look for those stupid spiders and stuff. And it, you do this like three, four times before you actually the world actually opens up in Twilight Princess. So that was a weird thing. What you I felt so Twilight Princess the style was what I've always wanted in a Zelda game, and the game had some great promise. But then it got to a point that I just stopped playing it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play it for a year. The one day I just kind of looked at my Wii. I was like, sure, I loaded it up. And then I was literally like two hours away from the end. And I'm like, <laughs> you're kidding me. And then, yeah. so then, I mean, the, the game was solid. I liked the everything, like, but it did leave kind of like a bad taste because when Skyward Sword came out, I didn't even bother getting it. And, oh, and yeah. I, know it was a, I know it was a solid game, but I couldn't get it. Like, I didn't, 
it um it was breath of the wild that brought me back it gave me like this is what it needed it needed a reinvention and yeah absolutely I, think that, I mean i even called it elder scrolls uh elder scrolls 6 hyrule you know that's what i called it cuz that was how intense i mean again it was, i mean there's a lot of stuff going on but i mean you you you, you know like you know typical jrpgs like you got a town that's only like one hut and eight people sharing it and you're like uh, yeah. okay <laughs> but <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. it, the game the game was uh breath of the wild like i said it was um you know like you said a link to the past that was my jam mm-hmm. uh, Link's Awakening was not my thing. I didn't care. I didn't have a Game Boy. That might have been why, but I didn't really enjoy it. But I did love uh, Link Between Worlds on the DS. That yeah, was. Yes, I didn't play that one. I that one to. was really. That's my fun. style. Yeah, yeah no, I, that I, was I really want to get fun. a DS just for that. You know, I I, on, I don't have a DS anymore. But when I I got it, I played it nonstop. I actually liked. They had like this 3DS, little. Yeah. They had a death match. You could play other people. Uh, you just <laughs> you just kill, and then like you're on a you're on a little platform, and you can knock them off, and they're doing all this stuff. It was fun. It was I had a blast. That's awesome. And yeah, I didn't play that one. Then some of the old school, the uh, seasons and Oracle of Seasons and. Um, Oracle of uh, Ages, something. I think. Ages, yeah. Th- th- those are combined. I didn't play that one. I mean, I played them later on on an emulator, mm-hmm. but I never really got super into them. That was way later. Uh, and then the uh, same thing with that you were talking about with the uh, Skyward Sword. I didn't get it. I didn't have no desire to get it. And then I actually own it now because uh, it's going to be a classic. And I just hear such. They say once you, it takes a little, it's kind of slow starting, mm-hmm. but once it does open up, it's. Uh, it's really good, and I did get the Wii U version of Twilight Princess to try to do it without the motion controls, and I kind of got into it a little bit more, and I and I kind of want to do it, but like you said, Breath of the Wild comes out, and then bam, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never put it down until I was done, you know. Uh, that was the, my go-to game, and, and it's the kind of way, I'll, you hear me say it all the time, but the game hooks you in. Like, you don't just stop at two hours when you're before you're done. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's just that's a telltale sign of how good this game is. Like, I just think about it. I just want to play it. I want to, and then there's a, oh, there's a spot way over there on the other side of the map I want to go to. And there's the adventure of getting there and all the things you run into along the way. And, oh man, dude, it is just, that's just amazing how, yeah you know, somebody can, it's almost like, you know, sometimes I'm worried about Miyamoto. <laughs> like, you know, what happens when he's gone, man? This guy's like a, genius uh, at video game fun factor you know mm-hmm. it's the nintendo you know and so you know i don't know about who's designing them, and i know he oversees all of them but uh wow man i mean this was unbelievable so breath of the wild 2 is definitely as long as it's open world like that and it's open for exploration it's going to be great I, i'm um, excited i haven't followed much i only got you know what what they announced initially and i i just for the games like that i tend to be excited for i try to avoid everything i just go in blind if i can yeah well um well cool man well dude let's go ahead and jump into the star wars and let's just start uh i guess so we're going to talk about mandalorian but let's kind of let's build this up for a little bit all right So, so if you ask me and I'll ask you, uh, my my whole Star Wars, for Mandalorian, Mandalorian's completely out of it. Mm-hmm. The only Star Wars, and I've seen all of them and all this, besides, you know, like some of the canon stuff that are like uh, Rebel Assault, and that, you know, the anime movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's like two anime movies that are uh, canon. Um, 
I haven't seen those. I've tried to watch some of them, so I'll keep are up you, with them. But any, are you talking about the shows? So canon for Star Wars, you know, you got four, five, and six. Uh huh. Then one, two, and three. Yep. And then you know seven, eight, nine. But but between and then also uh, Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these type of stuff. But there's actually two anime that are canon as well, like Clone Wars and Rebel Assault or something like that. Rebel okay. something. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so I tried to watch those. I couldn't get into them. But anyway, that's just some canon mm-hmm. to me, dude. And it, it sounds stupid, but, you know, four five and six. And I want to talk about why that is uh, eventually later on. But four five and six are really the only classic, you know, Star Wars movies that are timeless. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's probably the best way to put it. The timeless Star Wars are those. Not counting Mandalorian yet. Um, what did you, the first three, and, and there's reasons why I'll say that, but I, let's get your opinion on it first. What do you well, think about I, that? I agree. The original trilogy, I mean, we grew up on the original trilogy, so that's always going to be near and dear to us. Um, did the prequel trilogy, they, I'll be honest, the prequel trilogy is better than the sequel trilogy. Um, the original <laughs> trilogy um, is great. I mean, episode five, Empire Strikes Back, is by far my most favorite Star Wars ep- uh, film of all time. Um, yeah. With, you know, uh, I did love Revenge of the Sith was a campy, but I mean, all that was those, good. I like that one, too. Yeah, that I really enjoyed Revenge of the Sith, but I mean, it was campy. All of the movies, well. One through six are campy. Seven, you know, eight, and I didn't even bother watching nine. That's how. So what do you mean? Oh wow! Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, campy. No, it's just like just just watch episode just watch episode four. Like I I can't really put it not not like hardcore like Evil Dead campy. It's just it's it uh it it initially never took itself seriously, and then they then the prequels kind of did that but then they kind of made it like hey you know we're not taking it. too seriously but we are yeah. taking it seriously <laughs> i, I, I can see that with the prequels for sure yeah so it's 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 strange like uh, I, I don't well, know i can't put my finger on it <laughs> so look this up and i've, I've said it for in a star wars episode but and i and i was gonna go try <laughs> to dig it up but it was george lucas and i thought it was a director or one of his uh new directors or whatever that gotten in an, an, an argument over why people like star Wars or whatever. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, and I'm just going to say director. So forgive me if I'm wrong, it could be a, some producer or something like that or some writer, but, uh, it wasn't George Lucas. George Lucas swore that the reason that people like star Wars is all the special effects and all, and all this, you know, that takes you into space and this, that, that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other guy argued that it's the story that they like, right? And obviously, it's a little bit of both. But really, a key classic movie is somebody is a movie that puts you in a world of, that you're you know new that you're learning the world as you go through a great story like Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or uh, or Star Wars, right? Or Terminator, even you know stuff like the Terminator ones and twos where there's you know, something really cool going on. Um, but, uh, the story is also good. So you're, you're learning about the Terminator. Have you ever read the book wizard's first rule? No. Okay. So you taught the sword of truth series that Terry Goodkind is the author, but, um, essentially it's a great book, man. It's like one of the best ones. And he's written tons of series and, you know, it's hard to go back and read after you've read Martin and, you know, some of these really 
fleshed out that people that can just write like uh you know really well but uh and nothing against terry good kind of just a different style but um the sort of truth series and or besides this is a testament to the way this book and, and my, my point so it, they actually tried to do a tv show about it but it's a guy named richard uh doll Rawl or something like that it's richard something i remember his last name's not raw at the beginning but he's just a, you know woodsman's kid you know medieval swords and stuff like that magical world and there's a barrier that blocks the world of magic from the simple working folks for protection or whatever the reason well he's just out in the woods doing his thing this he finds this girl uh running like a princess or something and two guards are chasing her so he just kind of like oh i gotta go help her so he goes it's all the beginning of the book goes and tries to help her um and uh she like touches this dude and he like falls and touches one of the guards and the guard like to his death will defend her. Uh, but she's like overly worn out and stuff like that. She's called a confessor. He comes to learn. And uh, anyway, so she has to run and they run into the magic world at the beginning, goes through the barrier. And he has a little, you know, some wise man named Zed that knows a little bit about both worlds. Anyway, this is happens in the first like three chapters or something. So the whole rest of the book is him Learn, learning who is this everybody bows down to Kaylin and that's the girl's name and who is this girl and what is this magic world so he's learning about the magic world as he goes through this adventure and the story it's like a love story between him and her mm-hmm. and uh you know so it just puts you in this whole world where you're exploring there's a great story there but you're also seeing all these different things unfold and learning about the world and it just takes you away man it you know immerses you and you get to follow along this great story and I think that's the key. It's hard to do, but it's the key to it. And I think that's the magic that the first three Star Wars brought. So, yeah, and then I agree with you because uh, what I what I feel is that the original trilogy gave you that sense of adventure. It gave you that sense of awe. It it brought you in. Now, exactly. the story is the story is good. I mean, let, let, let's be honest here. The story is good. It's not groundbreaking but what was groundbreaking about it was the setting the just everything the there's magic there's space magic there's there's like cool special effects you got like all these different races like you're in a fantasy world in space that's the gist of it and that's what makes it so amazing what made it even better was that expanded universe now before disney came along you know up to the point but that expanded universe the eu you had so much media from books to shows to uh you know they did have movies like the 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 uh, battle for endor the ewok movies you know you had um you, you i mean you got games like Knights of the Old Republic, Revan. Yeah. I mean, that revelation, it blew everyone's mind. And they did it on the D&D uh, thir- uh, third edition rules set, and they made it phenomenal. I didn't know D&D then. I was just a dork just going into college, and D&D wasn't like in, in, in my thought process yet. But I fell in love because of that story was so well written. But I yeah. mean, like you had – other games before that, Shadows of the Empire, which was a game, a comic, and a book all <laughs> tied into each other that were incredible. The Thrawn trilogy, I mean, like, I, again, I, I've been a huge fan of Star Wars. Like, I didn't read all the novels, but I mean, I followed up with everything. I mean, like, the Darkness trilogy, when the Yuzhen Vong invaded, that led Jason Solo to become a Sith, and then his he had to fight his twin sister. I mean, and then 
After all that that happens, then they exile Luke and his son Ben, and then Sith are hunting them. It was insane. And then Disney came, and it's like, no, there was just so yeah. much to go. And yeah, I, I get it, but well, oh. well, so let's 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 take this back for a second because I do want to. I just want to. I just want to um really drive this home here about the story. Because to me, that is, you know, is it a great story? I mean, I, I think it's a great story. Um, and, you know, you have, you know, Luke is just the standard farm boy, right? We're, ta- we're taking it back. I know four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like you said, the space magic. You have this race called, or this religion, the Jedi religion, that you know nothing about, right? And when, you, when it starts, and he's like able to move stuff with his mind. He had this crazy light source. So you're learning what the jet you're with Luke. You're learning what is a Jedi, right? What is that? Well, I know the big bad guys one too. And, but you know, everybody else is just a, you know, you got Han, the, the outlaw, you know, he's the good guys, he bad guys. He's selfish. We don't know this guy, but he, he, he character develops into a good guy as, as a story goes, you know, Princess Leia, I mean, what's her story? She's well, she's somehow some really connected to the, and they, and they kind of really connected to the rebellion. So they all get together. Mm-hmm. So you're really following Luke as this story goes. Well, now that we know, know what a Jedi is after the thing's over, now we go back to Episode One and we're trying to see how you know how did Darth Vader come come up? So that was the big thing, mm-hmm. right? Well, they got pod racing and crap like that, and you're like, dude, <laughs> nope. They want to make video games out of it. I get it, you know, yeah. but. Has nothing to do with the story, uh, but you know, and you get the two, all the Jedi or defenders of the galaxy, which was the original story, right? Anyway, but you didn't really have that sense of new things taking place, right? You didn't really have that sense of what's new in this universe that I don't know about yet, and how am I, you know, how's this going to unfold to me? It's just stuff we already know, and they're doing, you know, doing stuff essentially. How the Empire come into to play? Now, I, I did like uh, the Revenge of the Sith as well, just because of the action and it kind of tied everything together. But it was nothing groundbreaking in terms mm. of the universe, right? No, so, we all knew we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah, and then you got the new ones that just did the exact same thing. Uh, did the exact same, um, the exact same. Uh, in fact, you know, episode what would it be? Seven was essentially just a remake of. <laughs> Episode four. So and that was the thing, though. I loved seven. I mean, I I get where they were. You know, it was played safe and everything like that. They really just tugged yeah. on the nostalgia. So I'm like, well, they, it worked for me, so I was okay with it. It was eight, though. That I'm like, hey, that was real bad. Oh, that one killed it. I mean, and but it, you know, uh, what's the wow? A J J Abrams was like, I wish I would have never left the project you know or whatever and he came back to the to nine and try to clean up whatever was yeah <laughs> you know oh man they, i mean they probably would have better off to say oh that was just good thank god that was just a dream you know and <laughs> start start a new eight <laughs> you know it was terrible man um I, in all honesty if they just removed the whole finn subplot they probably would have done a lot better with eight but again there's there was a lot of things wrong with eight like i did not I didn't like how they did Luke dirty. I just, yeah, uh, exactly. That's the main thing. I felt that was the issue. I think they didn't give Luke the justice. It's fine to pass the torch. I'm not against passing the torch. Right. 
I think that's good. That's the whole point of Star Wars. There's always a new hero coming up to rise to the occasion. That's the whole point of it all. But it's more the fact that how do you make it that this man is already in his 60s and he has not learned a single lesson? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, dude, you know, like he saved the galaxy, not only saving the galaxy, he is trying to fix the wrongs that his father did learn from his father's mistakes. And then he was supposed to know all that. And then he's like, right. Oh, I had a, I had a one bad day. I'm calling yeah. it good. I'm like, bro. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was traumatic. In. It was traumatic. I get it. His, that, that whole thing was traumatic, but I, I really don't feel that Luke would have straight up given up or just like wallowed. That, yeah, exactly. That didn't seem right to me. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. When he tosses a lot, like, no, 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 this is a sacred thing, dude. You know, this lightsaber at the very beginning of 80, just toss, you know, at, at the end of seven, she hands it to him. And he's just like, Oh, it looks at it a certain way and all this really cool, really good setup for the next one. And like you said, that that's probably the best statement I've heard about is his Luke wallowing on this Island somewhere. Like he just never did anything. You know, it's just, it's not Luke. Luke's the hero. And they should have made it more serious with him. And, and that's all people wanted. Yeah. To, what has he yeah. learned? What is he going to do? I, I mean, I didn't mind. He, he could still go out like a G that, you know, that's that, yeah. that is him. You know, that I would have been okay with it. Like he did it for the greater good, like any normal Jedi would. It's just more that like it, it wasn't, I didn't, I felt like that wasn't in his character, but you know, again, EU and seeing him, how he's represented in, in, in other stuff and games and stories and how he is and then comparing him to that. Yeah, of course, I'm going to be very, very uh, miffed by it. But yeah, I wish they would. I didn't read the EU uh, and I got, you know, a handful of books. I didn't, you know, I didn't really get into the EU, but it's. um, It would have been cool to see, like you said, what he's learned and even have some kind of Joda or Yoda um, kind of. How he's like the new Yoda, right? And and when you have Ray who comes along, and all of a sudden she can fight with a lightsaber and all this really well. So she has really no developmental. I mean, she learns to be a Jedi a little bit, but she kind of just knew it. I just learned it by existing. You know, she really didn't get taught that much. Uh, you know, Luke did train her a little bit. I get on the island, but he was just, oh, you feel that? That's the Force. And it's like a leaf or whatever. Yeah. On her, you know, it's like this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, come on, man. You know, why would he not really? You know, you could have had him. Maybe he was one to wallow. Then he just, I got to remember who I am, and then oh, now I'm, now I'm the Skywalker that everybody wanted. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that that kind of destroyed it, and it really, I mean, it just shows you. I've watched four, five, and six, you know, tons of times. I've watched one, two, and three a handful of times. Three particularly a, a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have noticed. I've watched, gone back and watched seven once extra. Uh, I think I actually watched eight once. I think I watched seven twice, eight once, and I have not even gone back and watched the okay. the Last Jedi. I think again. we're about the same count. I, yeah. I'm going to watch nine. I might as well just um, get. I know they're talking about a supercut of something that I might I might do that uh, just to kind of compromise. But I mean, I'll watch it. I still have yet to see Han Solo. I did love Rogue One though. I I, I like really Rogue One. Did. Yeah. So I mean, I it, like that it, one it too. was, and it's weird though. Ryan Johnson ruined episode eight, but then you see Knives Out, and I'm like, Ryan Johnson's awesome. Like, what happened? Yeah. So yeah. it's just, I don't know. He wanted to do something different. They let him go. I really don't think they should have tried to salvage 
nine from eight from what I've heard. That's all they try to do where they should have just yeah. kind of went with it. They should have just rolled with it. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, they I'll definitely see. tried to I'll, I'll make a final decision with nine sometime this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Solo was okay. I watched it once and I, I literally don't remember anything about the movie. So what that tells you, um, but um, anyway, all that to say, you're watching these Star Wars and you're kind of like, okay, it's kind of being cheapened now because it's like once a year, there's a new Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. And then here comes Disney Plus and then here comes John Favreau and the Mandalorian and dude, you, you just go, it has nothing to do with Star Wars being cheapened, right? Because this dude comes along and just creates this amazing story. And I'm going to remember what I was talking about with Luke in the previous, because I'm going to parallel that a little bit, mm-hmm. our new world and all this. And uh, so there are, so right up front spoilers, we are going to spoil. Uh, it'll be in the title of the, of the podcast, but there's going to be spoilers here for the Mandalorian. Um, what did you, so without going to details, but did, just what are you, your thoughts of the Mandalorian itself? Like it rekindled, Bottom line, it has rekindled my love for Star Wars because episode eight has really left a bad taste in my mouth. I was hesitant, even though I heard great things and I wanted to watch it, but I was like, I'm not going to pay a sub for Disney plus, uh, for just Mandalorian. I was actually going to wait until I got the Blu-ray came out, but I'm like, okay, why isn't Blu-ray out yet? And then, you know, when, with the success of the first season, they're like, Hey, we're bringing back you and McGregor so he could have his own Obi-Wan show. And I'm like, Okay, you now you have my interest. Like now, okay, if they're really they're going to go out of their way to recruit somebody for the show, okay, let me see what this. And then I had a coworker that he's a big Star Wars buff. He's always talking about Star Wars or Fallout with me, and he's like, "You need to watch Mandalorian. You need to watch Mandalorian." He kept every day. It's like, all right, fine. So then I I I loaded up the account, and then I'm like five episodes in that same night. Like, what happened? I know, man. In in in. in but bottom line, what we were talking about earlier, Mandalorian had given that sense of adventure back into Star Wars. That's something yeah. that – I mean, yes, Star Wars movies are adventure movies, yes. But I mean it did not – I mean it genuinely gave that sense of adventure. It gave you that sense of wonder. You're learning new things. And then yep. and what's great about it is that you're also introduced with uh, with Mando the same way. Like some of this stuff he doesn't know, and he's like, "All right, what?" Yep. So and you're following really- Mando, and so one of the things right away, the first episode, uh, and, I, and I've watched, I just finished the second season, and I don't remember the first season. I mean, I know the the idea of the thing, mm-hmm. and but uh, you know, so he finds a baby Yoda, you know, a baby Yoda doll. Uh, so that's kind of, so the thing that I remember reading about before was that um, Yoda's race was purposely mysterious per, for George, per George Lucas. You didn't hear anything about this race. And I don't know about EUs and all this, but uh, as far as George Lucas was concerned, he wanted that to be like, a rare thing. Nobody, you didn't see another Yoda until I think you saw one in one of the, maybe the revenge of the Sith where like a, he was standing by another one. The female, the female, yeah, the female. And, um, and so now here comes John Favreau. Like, okay, now we're going to learn about this race. We're going to learn how they, 
deal with the force and all this. So, you know, nobody knows who it is. The Empire is after him. This takes place after six, but before seven in the, in the, in the canon. I think five years after six. Yeah. And so the, the Jedi are, you know, were already rare as it was because of after, you know, three, um, you know, Luke and, you know, there's a handful out there still because they tried to kill them all. But, um, so nobody, people don't really, you know, they're su- it's really cool when this Jedi are rare, man. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're not a whole bunch of super warriors running around. If you're, if everybody's special, then nobody's special, right? You only want the, you know, the, the handful of a uh, Jedi, but you're starting to learn who is this little creature? What is this per, what does the empire want with them? You know, as this main story goes in the Mandalorian, who are the Mandalorians and what, what, why is he, you know, who is he? You know, I thought he's Boba Fett at first. I didn't know the backstory of it. Like, this is not Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought, cause I always heard there's gonna be a Boba Fett movie, you know, out. And then, um, so I was like, okay, well this is it. They did the Mandalorian instead. Well, you know, you learned it wasn't, but, um, the arch enemy of the Jedi's, you know, the Mandalorians. And so he, essentially the show, you know, great little dialogues and whatnot. And he always gets into like this little adventure as it progresses the story. Then he gets out, you know, oh, he's never going to get out. Then he gets out. It's just a little series like, mm-hmm. you know, every 30, 30 minutes, an hour long. And it's like random too. It could be like 49 minutes or an hour. And this one's 35 minutes and this one's, mm-hmm. you know, but it, uh, you know, it does a good job of kind of building up a little story within a story, every little episode. And so, <clears throat> and I think to that director or, writer or whoever it was point about the story you really see there's not a lot of special effects in this one as i mean there's there's spe- a lot of special effects but it's not like they don't overplay it for the sake yeah, of let's play not, special it's effects. definitely not in your face yeah and so little things like and i don't remember the episodes but you know you see the um the ship as it you know Mando's ship's destroyed and it's taken off. You see kind of sparks coming out of the engine. You know, it's just kind of... And then at one point, somebody gets into a, a fight and then he just puts the brakes on and turns the ship. Um, and then just... Oh, man. I don't want to jump too far ahead. There's just so many little bitty things like that that make that universe fleshed out even more. Little details mm-hmm. that just that hit home a lot, you know, more than just having a massive ship fly over you every you know 15 minutes or whatever you know what i'm saying like in the oh, movies yeah. mm-hmm. so um i don't know man you want to just kind of start with the first season and yeah, kind of get into the memorable, memorable yeah. things go ahead with what you remember what you notable things well, i so very first episode man the way they set the tone for the whole show you i mean it's he's going to this barren ice wasteland and any you know like very space it's a space western so it's very you know yeah just, see this dude come into a tavern everybody kind of quiets down and they see him and two dudes try to you know show their muscle and he <laughs> wipes the floor with them one of them gets ripped in half by a blast door you know and then he's getting his bounty and he straight up says you could come warm or cold and you know yeah. he holds his, his pistol and it's like oh okay <laughs> you know i mean it already it just sets the tone like this guy he he means business no matter what yeah. and, and, and he is ruthless like oh it, he, you could tell he's about not only a bounty hunter but you could tell he's a fish because of mandalorian you know and it's just for him it's just like it's always sunny in philadelphia there's one thing after another that just keeps happening and he just he just <laughs> rolls with it you know and it's 
it's great. I mean, the introduction with, um, with the, with the infant and, uh, you know, then him meeting that bounty droid. The- yeah, he did. that was, that was so cool, man. And that was the first, the first episode I remember. That's what I wanted to, I don't know exactly, uh, how it went down, but you're like, if you're, if you're just, if you've never seen it, you're thinking, okay, how good can you make a, you know, laser gun fight? And how many of those have we seen in Star Wars? But dude, when he pulls up to that door in <laughs> your face, you know, he's like that bounty droid and all that. Dude, that was oh, like, that's when you knew, like, this is well, awesome, and, dude. And you know what's great is because you see that same droid in Empire Strikes Back and you're like, what? Yeah. You just see a stick and you're like, how is that a bounty hunter? But, you know, and then yeah. you see him in this and you're like, Oh yeah, he can he can be a bounty <laughs> hunter. That, that's uh, yeah. that's rough, you know. Like you know, uh, I mean, the the droids in the Clone Wars, like they were comical. They just they're goofy. There were some that yeah. were like outright dangerous, like the droidicas or like the heavier top heavy gray ones. Yeah, but like the 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 bronze looking dudes, like they were just they they were fodder. They were funny. But then you see this IG guy rolling in, you know, and just, waving his arms in circles and different angles. <laughs> yeah. and you're like. Wow, and then he like kept wanting to kill himself with the thermal grenade, and then Mando's like, "No, like, <laughs> yeah, it was priceless." Oh, so good, man. Um, you know, and you and you kind of go through like it's been a year since I've watched that, and they release them once a week, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that. I mean, it's just like a you know, it's not just like here's the series, go watch it at your own pace. For some reason, I do like the the weekly thing. You can I wait. Do too. No, I, I actually really do because it kind of spaces out all this, you know, the, the, the spoilers to some degree for some people. Cause you know, somebody's going to watch no, that. That's with true. Them, you know, blaze right through it, then ruin it for everybody. So I think it's a good idea what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's so it's like you said, it's a space Western that, that, and that's already automatically good to me, but he's, you know, bounty hunter and they get the bounties. Um, and that's pretty much the first season. It's just him going after bounties, right? The whole time. And the, the ultimate bounty is the uh, the Yoda. No, and, no he, uh, Yoda was just the first episode, the baby Yoda. Well, I know, but I'm saying he still oh. went after bounties on and on. I mean, did he, didn't he? Uh, no, he was on the run at that point. So, like, he gets his okay. bounty. And then, like, by, you know, the second episode was where, like, he, uh, you know, he's trying to get back. You know, with the Jawas. And then by the time he finally does return the bounty, you know, he he's already started having in uh um an affinity and affection for the baby. Yeah. And then when he's like, Hey, what are you gonna do with him? They're like, It's none of your business. So then he's like, No, this isn't this isn't right. Like then you start seeing yeah. Mando as a as a character, he's not just like this heartless bounty hunter. He's like he actually has, you know, a moral compass. He has a and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, and well, see, I, they kept, what's up? They kept they kept talking about like handing the marks or what were they when they want to get the bounty? You say give me the uh, oh the um, I know what you're talking about the fobs. And they kept doing yeah, were it's they, like the, were, they were fobs, right? Is that isn't that what they called them? Or the, you say if it, give me the the fob or give me the chip or whatever it was called whenever you mm-hmm. wanted to to get the bounty on somebody. I can't remember what it was called, but he, that was like the the thing that was introduced in this uh, in this series, which is really cool. That's why I kept thinking. So he's mentioning that on and on, but yeah, he's on the run from the from the Empire from Carl. Well, it's not Carl Weathers at this point. Carl no. Weathers is just a it's just a fixer, mm-hmm. and he's given uh, given bounties still, but he knows Mando in a thing. But it's the uh, some dude for the Empire that wants that. 
<laughs> and I can't remember how the first season ended on the cliffhanger. So first season, they have returned back to Navarro and um, because he was trying to find his uh, Mandalorian clan, I think. Oh, man, it's been a while. Either way, they're cornered in that tavern by the Empire. And then that's when they introduce uh, Giancarlo Esposito, a moth yeah, Gideon. That's and right. he puts him in a spot. Mando nearly dies. They escape. Um, and then uh, Mando sh- uh, manages to shoot down Gideon's TIE fighter. So uh, okay, that's yeah, how they managed yeah. to escape. Yeah, that's right. They're they're pinning him. So that, you know, they introduce that guy, and then um, so so they also um introduce the uh, best car steal. Did they mention that in the EU extended universe or anything? I don't think. Uh, you know what? To be fair, I don't think I've caught that. All I remember was like vibro blades that were like they were able to because they had such a high frequency when they vibrated, they were able to block lightsabers but at a specific angle i think and then dura steel i know is another thing that they use that's like that's like their normal steel for star wars but i don't think i've ever seen uh beskar yeah so so the understanding so i'm butchering this story so just but the very basic general print uh premise was that there's a whole um basically world of Mandalorians or nation or whatever. Mandalorians are just warriors uh, constantly. And they know nothing about the Jedi. Um, and they, they confront the Jedi at some point for whatever reason. Um, and they get to get to fight. And the Jedi's are like, wow, there's somebody that's not afraid of us, you know, and the Mandalorians were just like, you know, wow, they're, they're not afraid to die either, you know? And so they developed Beskar to, to combat Jedi's. According to the YouTube video that I watched. Okay, yeah, I don't. So I don't know. Well, in 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 EU, like Knights of the Republic, the Mandalorians were utilized to create a huge war against the Republic to, to fight the Jedi. That's how Revan became uh, known and became powerful, is because he ended up fighting Mandalore, the ultimate, and that's you know the helmet that he's wearing is a Mandalorian mask, um, but. Uh, yeah, Mandalorians is actually a religion, and you okay. know, they they you know they they accept rec- anybody that they do. And I I mean I don't I don't know if there's a true Mandalorian race, but it's definitely a religion that they go by. Uh, yeah, not race. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's a- and then um, but like Man- Mando's Mando's sect of Mandalorians that he's with are are considered. Um, uh, zealots, like religious zealots, like you know, they're not allowed to take their armor, or their helmets off in front of other people unless they've been bested or killed or something along those lines. So that's like very important with his character, especially. Right. Yeah, and so you're starting to see this, is, and this is what I like, you know, and even in the universe that you know the the Mandalorians could kill a Jedi. It wasn't <laughs> easy. But they became known that that got them to be the you know, the bounty go to bounty hunters for if you needed to, to kill a Jedi you wanted you had to hire a Mandalorian and um and so anyway so you're learning you're seeing these okay these guys are that's the first thing I think about when I see Mando going out and he's just wiping the floor with people like could he kill like a Jedi he's pretty bad you know and so are there people better than a Jedi and then he's got the best Gar steel that will block a lightsaber now. Um, that lightsaber can't cut through. So you're starting to see these, wow, maybe 
I never heard of Beskar, but there's something better than a lightsaber. So now we're learning something past the Jedi. You know, it's not just Jedi everything. And so uh, that's one of the things I liked about it. Of course, the little stories and stuff in there. But uh, just learning a new a new race or a new religion or a new uh, new way to do business. Yeah, and it, I was totally learning things. Like I got to learn what the inside of a sand crawler looks like and how Jawas just want to mow down on an egg and, and <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, on a, on a hairy egg. I mean, it's yeah, I, I didn't, I actually didn't really realize that Beskar was a Mandalorian uh, specific type of. Uh, you know, steel Metal. that they rely on. And it was awesome to see that they're able to withstand like direct blows from a lightsaber, you know, because usually a lightsaber yeah. carterize and sear anything in its path. I mean, few give resistance. Sure. But it gets to a point that it might, you know, like when Qui-Gon was melting the blast door in the, in the, uh, uh, in the trade separatist, uh, ship in the very beginning of episode one, you know, like, it, it, they were like, oh, crap. And then it, it went through another door. Then it started melting at the at that point. So, I mean, it's cool to see, that, like you said, there's a counter to whatever the Jedis have. And I like it that it's actually really important also to a Mandalorian. Like, they're like, yeah. oh, we need this for our armor. We need this for our weapons. I love that. Like, it, they, they, I, I like that it was so the Mandalorians are rare, obviously, like they explained it multiple times in the show. So they're rare, like the Jedi. And then, so like a lot of the things that were specific to the Mandalorians, like, you know, people kind of knew it only the, I mean, obviously the Imperials knew, but I mean, like, you know, certain people only knew like, Oh, I recognize that visor. That's a Mandalorian. That's like, that's the extent, like kind of the same where, you know, Oh, they see a lightsaber. That guy must be a Jedi. You know, it, 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 I like how they, correlated the two together or compared the two together, but made them completely different. Still, they had like a sense of familiarity in order for you as a star Wars fan to kind of grasp the concept just as quickly. But, um, I do like that, you know, they, they, they stand out on their own though. They're, I mean, Oh no, man, they're powerful. You have a group of those guys together. They're going to wipe the floor out of it with everybody. You know, it's, a, yeah. I love that. Like, oh yeah, man. I remember one particular episode in one. Again, this kind of just plays to the story as opposed to the special effects. And it's just something to be said about it. We know, you know, the Battle of Hoth, you know, with the ATATs, ATSTs. And then there's one episode in one where he goes to this little village that they have, like, mm. you know, no weapons. And he finds this Imperial soldier that's basically turned, you know, from the Empire hiding out there. And like just the one, I think it's the ATST is the two 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 legged one mm-hmm. that they have to kill. And it's like a you know that's like a mat. You have no weapons. I mean, what do you do, right? You got to figure out how to do. You know, you got small arms fire to kill this big tank essentially. And it's just something cool about. It. It's just so good to watch. You know, we don't need an army of ATSTs marching up. We just got the one. And let's just figure out how to take this thing out, dude. And it's just a great uh, episode, man. I, that was that was great. Like the tactics that they tried to do, and then they had uh, Gina Carano's character, and she just goes ham. You know, like her <laughs> yeah. character, she was great. They they, yeah, they picked an got, excellent person for her. So, but I mean, like just the way they all work together, and they try to teach the, the, the villagers how to fight and what to do. And it was wild. I loved it. 
Like, yeah, it's it like, was. oh, there's, there's simple folk. There's these people that they live off the land, you know, like they have some luxuries of technology, but it's very few, you know, I mean, they, like, it, it, it seems to me like, oh no, these people have colonized here. This is what they got. They're, you know, this is what they're doing. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, they, they escape the, the final episode is they escape, uh, the clutches of the empire and they're on the run still with the, uh, with the baby, the baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so then we start season two and this is where I remember the most, uh, obviously I just watched it and I, I kind of watched one. It's, it's, let me just check. It's kind of the same. It was so weird. Like I like the Mandalorian, but you know, I know once I start watching it, I'm going to kind of get into it. Watch one. I kind of watch it at night. I'll fall asleep, but it's, uh, you know, watch one episode might take it two days. Um, then the next one, slowly, slowly. Well, the last like five episodes, dude, of this season, I just like tore through in two days. You know, yeah. it's so good. And oh man, and it's just you do kind of wonder like why is it night and day from the movies, right? It is, and is it just because of the quick hits of action and, and story that you can just tell in thirty minutes, or is it? Are we following more to it? I think it's just more. And that's what I'm kind of trying to get at. Are I think it's I think it's just more. It's enhancing everything. We're not focused simply on the Skywalkers. You yeah. know, you have nine episodes based solely on Skywalker. I think that's why Rogue, Rogue One did so well. It had nothing to do. You get to see two Skywalkers in the last 10 minutes of the movie. You know, yeah. that's it. And then you have <laughs> yeah. Han Solo, but you're like, ah, it's Han. Okay. Well, we see two of the original t- uh, crew. Okay, cool. Whatever, you know? And yeah. so I think that's another thing. It's, it's the newness. It's that, it's that new sense of adventure. You are, you're not expecting anything. And that's what, uh, was fascinating about it. Like, I'm just, like you said, learning, I'm learning something new in this universe. Yeah. There- I, I like some of the small effects they do. Um, with the, uh, for instance, there's one episode where this is such a brilliant way to do it too. I really like that where they're doing the transport trucks. This is like episode. Oh yeah, yeah and they kind of make it in. Yeah, and, um, the Bill Burr episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, Bill Burr, and uh, it's just so cool how they made the Empire like come to the rescue. You know, for their own thinking, it's their own guys they're saving. But you know, Mando I, and Bill Burr going in. I actually liked seeing them how when they made it through from that pirate attack and how everyone cheered like, yeah, they were yeah. Imperial. they're the bad guys, but they're, they're human. Just, they're just straight yeah. up there. I mean, and, and, and I'm, I, well, no, because the empire is actually racist. So yeah, no, they're, they're, they're human. Like, they <laughs> oh, were they're human racist. People. Well, they are, they're very anti-alien. That, that's why you don't see any, uh, you'll see like, Oh yeah. I didn't think uh, about that's that. why, that, that's why Thrawn is so important. He was an alien that had a high, high, uh, military rank like the Grand Admiral. He's like one of the 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 he he could have been a moth basically. Like who's Thrawn? Who's Thrawn? Um, so they reintroducing him again, but he's a blue skinned humanoid with red eyes, are known as Chiss, and he ba- uh, in the original that that that's not canon EU. Like he gave the Republic, the New Republic, a run for its money when he waged war with them, and then I think they did something new that they. Um, Timothy Zahn, he's the writer that did the, th- the trilogy. He did a new set of books about Thrawn and incorporating them into the Star Wars canon because he's that 
he is that good. He's like one of the few people huh. from EU that they actually brought over. Um, I don't know much about him. I didn't follow it too much. I just know he's pretty awesome. And then, um, uh, it, actually, uh, Ahsoka, I, I, the you know one of the episodes the Jedi that he's looking for she mentions him and apparently he had a pretty decent uh, role in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon as well so oh wow yeah I gotta look into that yeah I didn't even think about that but uh, about the racists or whatever but yeah I, I like that part too where they're cheering and it's like okay mm-hmm. they're you know they think they're doing good I guess mm-hmm. but it just shows them come through and there's something so silly but they come through and it, just the way that it explodes and like you see the smoke like curl up. I mean, it's just little things like that. I, I remember seeing it's just so cool how it just really just little things like and the aftermath of that just strafing run by the tie fighters on these these yeah. dudes and it's just just explosions of smoke and this, this smoke is it literally if you watch it again it just curls up like a bomb just like it looks like you know if a plane went through smoke. It's really amazing. It's <laughs> so like wow that. every little that. detail of that. Yeah, and speaking of detail, there's like tons of Easter eggs throughout the show. Like I know I didn't catch a lot of them, but like my favorite one, the obvious one, is where the two stormtroopers, the speeder troopers, were trying to shoot at that that trash on in the ground, and they kept missing, like because you know stormtroopers can't yeah. hit anything, and it's like I, I loved it. Yeah, that's just when they get on those speeder bikes and have to go down the the trash heap or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Just dude, that little things like that. Like they're taking the old, you know, you just saw them go through the woods before, you know, like, and now they're just the way they're going down. <laughs> all these little things like that. Dude, they just did a good job in expounding on mm-hmm. seeing what, you know, in a different scenario, just like something super, the, the, in the movies, you know, as the X wings, you know, lock, uh, turn, you know, to the attack position and they're going over the water and you're seeing the water spray up in that one episode, you know, it's just so cool like that, dude. I just love those little things like that. But, um, but anyway, so then, uh, back to season two of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I've kind of hit on all the episodes. We're not going to go dive into all the, the different things, but, uh, we find out that little Yoda's name is, Gogu, Grogu. Grogu, yep. And he like, meets Ahsoka because his uh, Mandalorian's task was to reunite Grogu, uh, well, the child with uh, the Jedi. So he was looking for a Jedi. That was a phenomenal episode, too. That man. was a great episode. Her fight with that, uh, the, the, that chick that desperate in, in that city. That was yeah. really good. So that was that was in a sentence. Dan Inocento's daughter. I had to look it up. And Dan Inocento is like the only surviving person that Bruce Lee bestowed the ability to teach Bruce Lee's martial arts to. Really? Um, yeah. So that's his daughter. But uh, but anyway, um, you know, he's always like martial arts like guy on the movies, like uh, what do you advisor or whatever on the movies. Dan Inocento is, but, um, but anyways, that, that episode, you know, they did a really good job by showing the lightsabers, you know, like she comes up, and just destroys that, that, that little camp. And then you got Michael Bain in there, you know, there's so many celebrities oh, in these, Michael in these Bean movies. Is great. <laughs> Michael Bain. Everybody wants to be in the Mandalorian now, you know, <laughs> one or two little Nick Nolte is in it, you know? Yeah. Nick, of I course, didn't know. Bilber. I was like, where was Nick Nolte? And then I was like, oh man, he was the Ugnaught dude. He went up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got him, you got Carl Weathers, you had, yeah. I think. Let's see here. There's so many. And uh, Rosario Dawson played the uh, played the, the Jedi, which is mm-hmm. super cool. She's always doing stuff with uh, Marvel, John Leguizamo. Right? 
Yeah, she's in video games and stuff like that. John Leguizamo, Gore Wait. Koresh. Yeah, he was in there. Who, who was John Leguizamo in that? Uh, it says uh, he was Gore Koresh, episode one. So it's somebody in there. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I just make these little appearances just Ooh. so they can. So oh, I was in the Star Wars universe. You know, Horatio Sands uh, was in there. Uh, it's Mithril. Uh, I thought there was a lot more. Let me just kind of look through here real quick. But uh, but it's fun, kind of funny, you know. You can't have Samuel Jackson show up because he's already been Windu, right? So you can't you can't yeah. have somebody that's already done it. I would I would be very surprised if he just shows up out of nowhere, you know, missing arm and all like angry and decrepit. <laughs> that would be cool, man. That'd be awesome. But yeah, I mean, you never never know. But um. Oh well, so, so yeah, all these they want to be. But anyway, on that episode, it shows uh, the you know she goes up there. She has two lightsabers and she's cutting everything up. She slices that warning bell in half, that big warning bell. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what four feet thick or something. And, says, and then, but she can't get through the Beskar armor. You know, yeah. it's just like little things like that that just makes you go, yeah, dude. And then you see them fight for just a minute, and that I don't know. Great. Yeah, it's like, what do you want me to do? And the, you know, the the evil queen or whatever is like, I want you to kill this Jedi. Well, that's no easy task, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm, I'm price is high. It's a Beskar, a Beskar spear that yeah. comes into play way later, in, or you know, for the whole thing, and it just shows you a spear. You know, how's a spear gonna play? But because it's Beskar, it's sick. You know. Mm-hmm. Then later on, you know, uh, you said, uh, what's, that, what's that thing called? So let's just talk about this for a second. Uh, let me show you. The Gianna Carlo, the Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. So Moff, Moff is a title? Yes. Okay, so it's like the highest so ranking. It is like uh, Tarkin. He was a Grand Moff. Do you remember Tarkin from okay, episode yeah. four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he's Grand Moff. Okay, so that's like the highest ranking, one of the highest ranking things you can do. And so the the Moff Gideon has this different kind of lightsaber with this blade that kind of comes out glowing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like that represents the, uh, you know, it's again, the Mandalorian race we're learning about. This mm-hmm. is the, if you own this, you, you rule the Mandalorian race and you can't just get it. You have to like defeat the person that had it in battle. Yep. Or you don't, it doesn't mean anything. But if you notice when he's fighting with that Beskar steel, that blade, when it's up against the, this little things, man, I'm telling you, I just get this. I want to go watch the whole thing again just to see these little things. But when it's up against that, that blade I'm talking about, it's up against that Beskar steel, it starts to glow red. Like, like it could pit, like it could, if it's stuck on that Beskar long enough, it would melt it. And that's you what I'm wondering, that? though. I'm wondering, is it, is it a, I mean, it's a darksaber, yes, but is it a lightsaber? See, I don't think it's a lightsaber. I think it's something else. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm wondering what the, what the explanation is going to be. But I'm, I'm still going to assume it's a, it's a lightsaber. It uses a synthetic crystal. Like the red lightsabers are the reason they're red is because the crystals are synthetic. That's how the Sith were able to use them. Um, yeah. Now that's old EU. I don't know if it still stays, but I'm assuming that's what's the same with the dark saber. But I did notice the difference with this dark saber. It's not a cylindrical uh, right. uh, uh, pillar of light like a typical saber is. You know, it, yeah. it, it has. It actually is 
a sword. A yeah, it's a sword. It's a blade, a sword. I don't. I can't believe I said sword, but it's a blade. <laughs> But it glows along its side, but you could easily see the edge of it in the front. So I thought that was fascinating, too. Yeah, see how that's going to play in. Um, but just introducing these new weapons and stuff. I mean, you really just wonder if, you know, I don't know. It just makes you wonder, like, what if they introduced a new race or a new world that has nothing to do with, you know, the Jedi or... It's kind, of, it's kind of what they're doing with Mandalorians, and you're just you're just following them now, and how they how they play into it with against the Jedi. But somebody that you know, I, and I can't even do it off offhand, but they don't know about the Jedi, but somehow the Jedi are kind of like powerless against them. Some, you know what I'm saying? Somehow, and then they have to figure it out and go back to old school, and then I, I don't know, man. It's hard to. What my point is just where can we get to where we can continue to learn? But uh, in, in a new in a new. Uh, I think they're doing if, a pretty good job with Mandalorian. If they keep Favreau and, and Dave Filoni, if they keep them, they'll do all right. Honestly, yeah. they sh- I think Disney just needs to stay away from Star Wars movies. Yeah. And just make the shows because I think they're going to go a lot better. It, 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 you know, within reason, I think like, you know, if the shows are doing well, they can do like what Serenity, you know, Serenity and Firefly. They could make like movies that kind of put a like close a good story arc kind of thing you know but i mean yeah i think they would do a lot better that way and it you know i mean you kind of already seen it what they did with the marvel movies like everybody's in somebody else's and they're already starting to do that when they announced all the shows you got uh ranger of the new republic which is gina carana's show so um uh her name is escaping me out of nowhere now but yeah gina carana has her own show ahsoka's getting her own show we just found out uh, Boba Fett will get right. his own show. And then, um, you know, so I mean that there's already a handful of shows that are coming out. They're having a couple cartoons too. Obi-Wan again, that's a, you know, I mean, Obi-Wan is on a different time period, but still, yeah. I mean, they're having all these shows where they can have all these interactions with everybody, which will be nice. I mean, Obi-Wan with potentially Boba Fett, you know, yeah, uh, and actually, around that time, it might you might actually see Boba Fett like in his early days of bounty hunting for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, who knows? Maybe he'll see Ahsoka. I mean, it, it, they could do so much with it, and then they don't have to do movies for it. And I think it'll enhance that the lore and the story so much more than just kind of forcing us to sit through a two-hour whatever every couple of years. Yeah. And I hate that it's like that with the movies. The movies are a lot, you know, it seems like you could do a lot more with that, especially with the special effects because of the big screen, you know, but you don't need to to make that all about the thing. And I don't think they went crazy with it in the, the latest three, like they did on the first one, two, and three, you know, like George Lucas did. But um, I guess a lot of that was just CGI and stuff anyway, though. But uh but do you think that they kind of hamstrung themselves with these shows because they have to bump up to seven, you know, episode or yeah, episode seven. So it has to match up with that story. You know what I'm saying? I don't think so. I think, I mean, they have the franchise now. They could do whatever they want with it, but I don't think they're hamstring. I think they will, they will hamstring themselves. So they can't do it like how Lucas did. Lucas can make the, you know, was able to make that decision like, Hey, you're going to direct it, but this is the story. Disney said, you're going to direct it, come up with the story and we'll let you know if it's good or not. And then that's what happened with this sequel trilogy. They kind of just winged it 
and just going off from what the you know the last one did and then going off from the yeah. last one that did so it just it was like it 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 was like the telephone game, but in, in movie form, you know? And I think yeah, that, but again, you know, I, I'm sure I'm going to irk a couple of the listeners that are fans of it. I'm sorry. This is just my opinion. You know, that's how I see it. You know, I could be definitely wrong, but that's how the, I saw it, saw it. And that's why I was disappointed. But I, that's why I think like they're saving grace. I think what's really saving them is the show. And then you can tell that Favreau and Filoni, have been a fan of the EU stuff. They're bringing in old names like, you know, like Tython. That 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 was a Jedi planet. That was a very strong Jedi planet. You know, they're, they, they, you know, they they talked about other things and stuff. You know, they talked about Dantooine and and Dathomir and all that kind of stuff. You know, I thought those were going to be eliminated. So yeah, wow, yeah. See, this is uh, obviously I don't know enough about Star Wars. You know, all I know is the movies that was mm-hmm. that were out. Um, and so. I never knew the EU, and so I can imagine actually knowing what they're talking about and just how rich and deep it, it goes, you know. And, and I like that because it's it, and again, it it's not it's not in your face, you know. There there's not like some drawn out exposition. It's like, hey, we're going to Tython, and then some of us are like, ooh, Tython, yeah. you know, like, you know, they, <laughs> but not everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like a bonus for just you knowing mm-hmm. you get more out of it, you know. So that's good that they're doing that, man, and they're and they're bringing back uh, some of the stuff for the hardcore fans, and that's how you're going to win it over, you know, too. But also, also like, it's just I'm not a hardcore fan of it. Like, you don't know enough about it, and I'm still loving it. So they definitely need to keep it. I don't know who's doing these other shows. I mean, I, I don't guess it's Favreau, but uh, that's going to be the telltale sign. So you know how this is going to work out, but I like it. Cause they also said they're all going to interact with each other's shows. So I do like yeah. that idea. Like they're treating it like comic books and I'm, you know, if they do it like that kind of format with comic books, it'll be a lot more effective than, you know, other things. So I, I have high hopes now after watching Mandalorian, both those seasons, I have extreme high hopes for the star Wars franchise again, just, just by the shows alone. So do you know that they're doing another season three Mandalorian? Yes. Or are they just, they they're are already, doing a season three? Yeah. Uh, Pedro Pascal uh, confirmed it the other day. I saw an article about it that there is a season three coming. Um, there's the book of Boba Fett that's supposed to intertwine with all that too. I don't know what Ahsoka is going to do. And Boba I know Fett's going to have to, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. I mean, after seeing Mandalorian, uh, you know, it's kind of Boba Fett's kind of, second fiddle now man you know we got a but we got dude, a real he mandalorian was, he was savage <laughs> what are you talking about dude? It's just him running around with that spear and just crushing faces like I that mean, was sick too. i love was, that too man i loved how savage boba fett was i love that they made such a stark contrast between the two because you got a gunslinger and yeah, but, I mean, Boba Fett, he fired weapons. He had guns and everything like that. He was very effective yeah. what he did. It is some but cool he stuff. Was, he just, he just went like full hunter mode and like, I am going to, I I am not doing this. I'm going to maim every single person I come across. That's what he did. <laughs> and it was, I loved that it. Was sick, I dude. loved I'm it. He was awesome. Smashing. I, Stormtrooper plastic busting off of him, everything. Yeah, and I love that they brought him back. I love that they brought the actor back to play Django. That was yeah. that was perfect. Like yeah. that attention to detail. Like that was some fan service. Well, he's a right clone there. too. Yeah, I didn't realize he was a clone. 
Yeah, yeah. So that so it makes sense. Um, and so let's go ahead and jump ahead to uh, real quick. We got to mention it. Um, so that so the the premise here is that you know once uh, we find the Jedi we were talking about, um, Rosario Dawson's Jedi. And I don't see how you catch her names, man. I didn't even catch her name in the thing. Ahsoka. In the, in the sh- yeah. I don't remember her saying it. Ahsoka I mean, Tano, I'm sure they I do. think she introduced. Yeah, no, she definitely introduced herself. Uh, yeah. I think not right away, obviously, but yeah, she did. Yeah. And so uh, she did a great job the way that she talked and everything. Yes, that's because that's his name. You know, Groku, and every time he said he looks, you know, the kid yeah, that was looks. cute. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so take it. Yeah. There's another cool thing. She like, take the, take the, uh, take the little ball. You know, Mando has to do it. And he is the force to get the ball. And then Mando's like, so pumped. Good job. Great job. You know, he gets so pumped. Like, you see some emotion come out. Yeah, that was, uh, was so good. It dude. was good. It was so good, man. That was. And so, that, that, so the thing is, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's just, it was just awesome. Like, and then you see, especially like their bond that he's forming. Like at first he's feeling different, but then you saw like the pride. And then like in the next episode where he's trying to have him play with the ball, then he gets really (laughs) upset that he actually had the force. It wasn't a fluke because that meant that he had to help give up his, the the kid and he wanted to protect him. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) the relationship, the way it grew over the course of the two season was also very incredible. Yeah. And so the idea is like, you know, we, and she says, uh, Ahsoka Tano is like, I'm not going to train him because I sense fear in him. And this is what happens to Jedi. So it didn't even say Sith. It didn't say anything like that. You just knew. So that, that's a little, my little, oh, I know about Sith. I know mm-hmm. what happens. Oh, I know what she's you talking know? about. I know exactly yeah. who she's talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah. so. And so, um, but that was really cool how they did that. And then she, and then he has to go to the seeing stone or something like that. And, you know, baby Yoda just starts to meditate and a Jedi may come to his aid. And then, so that happened like, I was it the previous, the second to last episode or two second, back. Second, so, second to last episode, because that, that, uh, the, the truck episode that we were talking about earlier was the next episode after that. Cause they were trying okay. to get, they were trying to get the location of the cruiser. Oh yeah. So yeah. So, so it's like second to last. Yeah. So then, you know, he had the awesome force power and the beam coming in the air and it went through and that you saw the death troopers again, but it was yeah, those as, are as hardcore droids. And, but yeah, man, that last episode, we could definitely talk about the last episode cause that was perfect. Yeah. So, uh, the last episode, they finally, you know, they finally get on this, find out the baby Yoda's uh, Grogu's location Go find him. They get in a big battle with you know. It's kind of weird too. Like you, you could see it coming, but you couldn't. With the uh, the moth saying, "No, you take him. I didn't. I don't need anything from from him anymore." And you're like, "Oh, is that, that can't be right. That's deceiving." You know, take the take the baby. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to take him." And I didn't look. I didn't look to see if this was the last episode or not. That's why I didn't do it on purpose. So I'm just going to keep watching as they pop up. So I know something big happens, but I don't know when. I don't want to know when. I don't know if this is the last episode. It was so. Of course, they're going to get in a big fight, and that's when you see the the Beskar spear come into play again. It looks like it's melting it when it's hitting. Um, really cool fight choreography and stuff. And they go hide in the big room. All the the super soldiers that are you know that took just a handful to to, to of, from a Mando to kill. It's like so difficult to kill one, much less that you know the army that they had there. Well, they all fly back and they're about to, you know, come into the room and then you hear it see a little X-wing 
show up outside, right? Oh, man. <laughs> See, little X-Wing. Oh, one X-Wing. Great. Yep. And then you see that green lightsaber. And you're like, yep. <laughs> I was screaming. I go, Mandy, oh my God. Oh my God. She's like, what? It's like, oh my God. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Luke. And he has the little glove hand, the robot hand holding it, and all these little things. <laughs> they they did him so much justice there. Yeah, that's the Luke you expected, right? That was he the shows Luke I up. needed. Yeah, he shows up when he's needed for the, you know, anywhere in the galaxy that he senses that, you know, oh, I sense something in the force and uh, something that needs my help. And he shows up to help help him. And uh, they had like a little CGI face or whatever, you know, to make the young Luke. Yeah. It looked pretty good. I mean, it was okay. start talking too much. Yeah, you could tell it was, if it's just standing there, it looks really good, but. And he starts talking. You can really start to see it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to criticize that. I'm I'm still yeah, happy with the either, fact. But... I'm still happy with the fact that they brought Homeboy back, and not only did they bring him back, they brought him back with a bang. They made him like how Vader was in in Rogue One. He came in, he destroyed, and then, exactly, and then, and then just just he wasn't even a terrifying presence. He was just calm, collected, and just goodbye. This went right through him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Like it was like Obi Wan. Like goodbye, goodbye. You know, it was. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was that. It, it was great. It it, it it was the excellent use of a Jedi. Like Ahsoka came in, she did her stuff. You're like, okay, but then you see somebody that's. She has decades, decades of experience, but Luke, because he's Vader's son, you know, yeah, he, he just, you know, like it's Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was good, and then he comes in and just like the you know, just the super troopers. You're almost like he didn't know they were super troopers. He just went through and smashed them up anyway. You know, like you know, <laughs> like, like he would. <laughs> it's like, I trade with R two D two each. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's uh he's bad dude. And so he comes in there. I love the last scene. You know, they they do all the goodbyes and all that kind of. You know, Mando takes his helmet off, and little Yoda touches him. That was Touches that was heartbreaking. Yeah, and so they finally uh, give it to give him to Luke. And I was like, like when he's like, "Are you a Jedi?" He's like, "Yes." <laughs> like after doing all that, "Are you a Jedi?" Uh, yes, I know a thing or two about it. You know, but uh, <laughs> but uh, he's like, "Yes." Yeah. So gives him the baby, and that you know R two comes in in the middle of it. You know, and then as they walk out. And they turn around and they're on that elevator, you know, just that little setup. You have R2 there, Luke, and he's holding the baby Yoda. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just that, oh man, that's like and a then, perfect scene. And then dude. the elevator closes, closes and it stops. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. It was good though. Oh my God, it was so good. Yeah, dude. I mean, they do it good, man. They did it so good with the new, not just playing it safe. That's just the way. It's, I mean, I wonder if John Favreau would have been had control of uh, doing the three movies. What would have happened, man? It'd been a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot better. It would have been a lot better. Wait, did Favreau direct Iron Man two or did he do one and three? No, he didn't do three. He only did the first one, right? I think he did. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which ones he did. I know he's the one that he's the one that revived the. He's the only one that took a chance on Marvel. Everybody turned it down, and he's the only one that said, "All right, well, I'm. Gonna, I think these need to be made." And he got them made. 
paid for it and everything. But, uh, yeah, I don't know which one he directed. I think he just directed the first one. Oh, okay. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Favre's excellent, man. Like, I have high hopes. I mean, you know, he's, he'll yeah. be good. He'll do well. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great tribute at the end um, to bring Luke back to how we all wanted him to be. And, uh, yeah, and I love that last scene. It's just like one of those, you know, you see these puzzles or you know, Target or you know, Star Wars murals, and it shows them, like, standing in a certain position. And it just kind of could be one of those, man, I feel like. Just after all the stuff that's happened in the past, all the stuff that you know is going to happen, then you have little R2, Luke, and then Baby Yoda there. After all said and done in The Mandalorian, and then he's getting ready to take them off, and we don't know what's going to happen from here on out. But I'm assuming Luke's going to be a part of it, right? <laughs> you know, he I, needs I to do not. some training. No, no, the, oh, you don't the, hope so? No, I don't want him to drown out Mando. Mando's an excellent character. Now, if if they decide to do a, a one-off thing where they work work together and do stuff, I'm hoping that they get Sebastian Stan because he does look like a young Luke. To, so they don't have yeah. to do the CGI. I think, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that would be good if they do that because if they use the same technique, I think that's, what's going to ruin it. Um, yeah. But and I don't want him to be a main, the main character or anything. I like when the Jedi are just very, exactly. Very if he has a conversation scarce, with him, but, if he has a conversation with him, cool. But I, I genuinely feel that it, it uh, detracts the, the resourcefulness of Mando. You yeah. know, it, it just doesn't. I, I like that he gets to meet all the biggest and greatest. That's yeah. cool. You know, I can understand for something like that, you know, but even he's like Leary of the New Republic. So it's like him working with with Luke. I think it's going to be out of necessity when the time comes. And we're like, the only time I'll really see it happening is like Grogu's in danger. And, you know, like he's coming to help save the day kind of thing. But beyond that now. What is uh, Luke's role in the New Republic? Is he anything in there? Is I don't know yet. I'm, I'm assuming he's founding the Jedi Order, so I think that's that's his only goal is to to rebuild the Jedi. So just I don't, you know, I'm sure he goes on his adventures and stuff, but I don't think they've done much yet. So okay, but I haven't, EU didn't I haven't say been anything. Following. Well, with EU, he did a lot. I mean, EU, he developed the 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 Jedi Academy and he helped change a lot of the rules. Be- you know, like no attachments. And that's the reason why a lot of faults of the Sith. So it's like teaching how to be a Jedi with attachments. Uh, like, you know, he gets married, he has a child, uh, Ben, he has Ben Skywalker, not the solos from the movies. Um, you know, he, like I said, the darkness trilogy and the Yuzhen Vong, Yuzhen Vong are like these, these, um, these, uh, this race of beings that are like dead to the force. Like the force has, they have a hard time, they, they have no connection to the force. So the Jedis have an actual difficult time using their abilities against them because yeah, they're that's so, cool. Yeah. They're so dead to it. But I mean, like it's, um, and like I said, like, you know, because they caused so many problems and the Je- the galaxy was like, no, the Jedi have to go. And then they exiled Luke and his son. Like they're like the, one of the few last ones. And then they're getting hunted by Sith. It's, um, you know, so I don't know what they're going to do now in comparison to all those, because like what I'm explaining is like 30 years, like around this time where episode seven would start is like when like crazy, yeah. crazy stuff happened. So I guess there's nobody's writing anything on the EU since Disney owns it. Now there's no new books coming out on that. No, or are they allowing that? Uh, they have comics. No, they have comics. I, I, I'm sure they have books, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't followed it yet. 
They're allowing, hey, you can keep writing all the books you want, but this is not the canon. You know, if it's EU. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying? EU, well, so they have their own, Disney has its own EU. Anything that's before the Disney acquisition is now considered legends and it has that mark. So you can still get those and, you know, enjoy like the stories and whatnot. But I don't, uh, I know they've been sticking with the comics and I don't know if they have any actual novels out. But again, I haven't, I've been very ignorant. No, no, no they do have novels out, but I don't know past like episode six. Like I said, the Thrawn books, like Timothy Zahn rewrote the books. Like I have it. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but you know, hmm. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I think you were the one that told me about this Darth Vader book as he first learns as he first gets in his armor and like how he's oh, thinking. By, uh, you know? James Luciano. Yeah. That one, uh, that was written shortly after episode three came out and it was, it was really good because he, yeah, been... he also did a book. Uh, I'm pretty sure, excuse me. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it before, but James Luciano did a book called labyrinth of evil, which leads into episode three. And then there's episode three novelization, which was actually really good. And then, and then James Luciano with rise of the dark Lord. And that was really yeah, awesome. Too. Yeah. That's a good yeah. book. It is a really good book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. So I think you turned me on to it, man, back in, back in the day. Nice. So, but anyway, man, dude, we have gone a while and yeah. we can keep going on, but, uh, that was uh, that was fun to talk to you about it, yeah. man. I'm glad that you know a lot about it and was able to shed some light on some of these things. Hey, if I'm wrong with something, let me know because I need to do my research. <laughs> it's been a while, <laughs> yeah. and I have my love for Star Wars again, so I got to start reading up. Yeah, if you have not seen Mandalorian, I mean, hopefully you didn't listen to this and we spoiled it for you. <laughs> but well, we did uh, announce anyway. spoilers, so sorry ahead of time, but sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out again. I mean, it's going to be a I didn't even know they were doing a Blu-ray for it. I thought it was just only Disney Plus. So that's no, no, good that's that, what I was hoping it would be a Blu-ray. If it is, I'm definitely buying it. But no. yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, always a pleasure to have you on here, man. I'm glad you could get could come back on here tonight. Yeah. But uh, definitely need to do more of these instead of uh, once every year or so. Hey, <laughs> I don't man, know when now, now, now I'm in a stable household, so you just let me know and I, I'm down. Awesome, brother. We'll definitely do it again. So. But thanks for joining us, and uh, appreciate it, Nick. And y'all, everybody have a good night. Good night.